Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe, The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. I stood up within the further decimated ruins of the forest-forgotten house. My father still clutched in my burned hands. The darkroom was obliterated, but the trap door hidden within its floor was revealed. I threw my mind behind the pursuit of the magnificent photographer, putting missed opportunities behind me. 
With my father returned to sleep, I pried the door open and sank into a now familiar and lightless cold. The space was ampler than expected, partaking of a vast cavern just below the house. The ground was littered with more photography paraphernalia, albeit of the discarded and broken variety. The uneven earthen walls were nearly covered in framed portraits of precisely nothing. Empty, overstuffed chairs, abandoned dinner tables, forgotten birthday parties. And at the end of that vacant underground gallery, a cargo elevator that only went down. Pressing a single glowing button affixed to the elevator, I proceeded deeper into the earth. The equipment screeched for its efforts to deliver me further into darkness. And yet I sensed nothing by way of conventional movement. I might have been back in a dream but for the definitive sense of solidity. The next level consisted of a train of empty, or emptied, rooms. All of them spanning ages of various architectural attitudes, and all of them sporting the same white blossom of frozen light that framed the shadow of the wolf. The solidified illumination was positioned anywhere a person might have stood, or sat, or posed. I continued more quickly now, eager for the end of the place. As might have been expected, another elevator appeared. Down again. The space of interlocking rooms continued, but with ever-diminishing earthliness. The white-spotted spaces were slowly partaking of a darker aesthetic, altogether exterior to conventional styles. Black stone flooring, each tile inlaid with strange symbols, wallpapers made from skins and scalps, masks of bones and compressed smoking ash, balustrades worked from spinal columns. And yet for all the organic trimmings, none of it formed even the slightest connection to any creature I was remotely aware of. The fad of emptied photos continued too but having evolved into unpeopled frescoes and mosaics brimming with absent subjects. Faceless statuary greeted me from every widening, smoking threshold. In addition to the emptied sitting rooms, I began to encounter the large meandering spaces of other kinds of art and artist. I found myself, at one point, stumbling across an elaborate studio of high ceiling and dusty shelving, packed tightly with taut vellum canvases. And as was now custom, each painting was missing its focus. Only a lingering, vague background was visible, backdrops to lost foregrounds, alone and featureless. My pace quickened the curios of a void racing by, growing more and more ferociously vacant as I went. And then, footsteps. Measured and plain, walking somewhere ahead of me. The photographer. At the end of the passage I raced through was a massive pit, a small carven stone staircase leading downward, circling the wide mouth. Punctuating the length of the stairs, set out at equidistant intervals, were stone reliefs, nothing but shallow backgrounds, entirely unpopulated. Around and around I went, corkscrewing through faceless, subjectless space. The footsteps continued, undaunted for their navigation of uneven stairs, 
and at a brisk pace at that. Somehow, I found myself beneath the ancient stone of a cave, clammier and smaller than the one beneath the house. In addition to all the space I'd cleared, I also felt I'd descended more than my suitable share of time. The air was primal, the stone unscarred. I rounded a large promontory of youthful stone and arrived into a tall space with damp walls. The small fire knelt in the middle of the room, illuminating some manner of painting upon the wall. Here was one of the first attempts at art, where hairy knuckled fingers plied stone walls with whatever would stick to them, to record their dreams, their fears, their gods. At least, that's what should have populated the crude stone canvases, smeared only with the simplest attempts at scenery. But as before, the occupants of the art were nowhere to be seen. I reached out to touch the stone, but instantly recalled the photo pinned to the hanging wire and thought better of it. When I turned the next corner, the cave opened to an incredible degree, basaltic pillars lifting the ceiling into utter incomprehensible nothingness. But it was the floor, or lack thereof, that ripped breath from my lungs. As far as the eye could see, nothing but crisscrossing rusted iron bars that made a prison from the spaces under the girding. More striking was the endless sea of clawed fingers stretching desperately from the spaces under and between the bars. Submerged beneath my astonishment lurked legions of pleading whispers. All the murmuring sibilance was piled atop the same frantic need to see the pictures the photographer tossed into the air above the prison. He threw them away like one might toss bread to pigeons. Feed our eyes, they screamed in voices shaped from hisses and hunger. The photographs went into the air, one by one, the souls of the photographed howling out their fear. And when at last they came into range of the waves of straining fingers, they were tossed from one clawing cluster after the next, like tiny rafts thrown about by the restless sea. Eventually, when one of the pictures was taken beneath the bars, the howling intensified, reaching an incredible, horrific crescendo, before abruptly vanishing. Apparently, for the creatures pent beneath the landscape of prison bars, seeing was eating. But then a photograph was withdrawn from the man's pocket that did not scream, but only fumed with unkempt rage, seething with a talent for killing. It was the photograph of the wolf. I stepped into view, my father in my hands. I nodded to the picture in the photographer's hand. That does not belong to you or them. I said. The man did not seem surprised to see me. In fact, his expression never shifted. Only his eyes moved, burrowing into mine. There was a long silence as the sea of claws evaporated, the unseen things withdrawing their fingers from the spaces betwixt the iron slats. Finally, he lifted the lethal snapshot in an expression meant to taunt me. I could feel a power welling up within him. An old power, the worst kind. He took a step toward me, the air thickening, becoming coarse. But I was prepared. 
I shifted the head of my father, revealing a view of the photographer's vintage camera, which had been left leaning against the wall behind me. I looked down at my father and back to the man, smiling. The cameraman's expression finally changed, and a hissing chorus from under the endless bars begged me to spare the device. Slowly, with visibly restrained resentment, the photographer reached out his hand and offered me the picture. The second the picture was in hand, the scene vanished from sight. But the eyes of the photographer, the spirit photographer, stayed with me long after, a pleasantly haunting recollection. When the world reappeared, I found myself next to the rock where the theft had occurred, the black and bleached remains still present. The wolf was the albino, Edith Suggs, otherwise known as the Salt Witch. She earned the name due to her many victims having been discovered in a particular salt marsh, and the presence of strange sing-song lights whenever she was about her terrible work. A celebrated monster, her exploits were given to much fear and wonder, cementing her invitation to the game. And here she was, the sum of her life's presence and purpose, small and delicate in my hand. One merciful gesture from oblivion. It seemed a poor end for one so wonderfully wicked. I could feel the frigidity of her hateful soul through the slight contact my fingers exercised upon her laminated spirit. Unsurprisingly, and in keeping with the nature of the game, just when I'd resigned myself to committing only one last kill, the shepherd called upon me to end yet another wolf. This time, I would kill without the pageantry or ceremony of a proper confrontation. I knew I had only to tear the photo in half. There was no other way. Apparently, the shepherd required a player of his game to perform the deed, however unfairly. I did not dwell on the reason why. I softly whispered my apologies and tore the picture in two. There was a brilliant flash of cold white light and the sound of stone cracking, followed by a scream, wet and painful and perhaps a small growl of rageful indignation at the tail end. When I looked back to the rock that once held the outline of a stolen soul, I spied sundered stone and the ragged, bleeding remains of a dead white witch. It was, I believe, the shepherd who actually killed Edith. Her name had already been struck from his rolls, so to speak, and that could mean only one thing. Yet. When I looked back over my shoulder into the thick swaths of forest I'd left behind for the road, I might have glimpsed strange lights moving in the distant thickets. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. 